0: The Student Support Services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success.
1: So welcome to Beyond the Bell Tower, the podcast created by TRIO students for TRIO students. And today we're so excited. This is almost a celebration and not an educational informational podcast. We, in summer 2017, we recorded a podcast with Roshonda Breeden, who is an alumnus of NC State, and we're going to get into that as to why we invited her back in fall 2020. At the end of that podcast that we recorded, we had agreed that she was going to come back once she became Dr. Rashonda Breeden. So we couldn't wait, though, because she's almost very close to becoming Dr. Breeden. And then we also have Tia Canada, who is NC State alumnus with her bachelor's degree and a former TRIO student. And she was one of our heroes, TRIO students. And now she is a first-year graduate student in the College of Education, so we're so excited that she did not leave campus. So again, we are lucky. And Tia's uh, joining Rashonda and I because one of the major functions or focus that we're going to take today is on graduate school PhDs as it relates to imposter syndrome and other factors that is experienced by tons of people. It's pervasive and it can be debilitating. And so we're going to talk about how Rashonda conquered the debilitation. So if you want to start with you, Tia, if you want to introduce yourself, where you're from, Major, what's important to you? Um, Yeah, so I am Tia Canada. Um, Like Sarah said,
2: I am a fall to spring 2020 along with NC State with my bachelor's degree in political science my concentration was American Politics, and then my minor was in African Studies. So a lot of my time at State was like an identity-based center to so like MSA, African American Culture Center, Women's Center, to just kind of like culminate in my degree and what I'm doing now as a first-year master's student in the higher education program here at NC State. I'm from rural North Carolina, I'm Jacksonville, so if anyone's familiar with that area, it's about 45 minutes north of Wilmington on the coast. Um, I come from a family who was basically born and raised in that area. My mom's family is from there. My dad's family's from rural Tennessee, Chattanooga to be exact. So just kind of a very rural Southern upbringing, but education was like the foundation of everything, Um, you know, just like going to college and pursuing another degree, hopefully another one following my master's, going into a PhD program. So all of my experiences, politics, my Blackness, education um, have all brought me to here and to be at NC State again um, for another degree.
1: And what's the focus of your graduate work? What do you want to, kind of like what motivates you for your graduate work? What topics, issues?
2: So I don't really have a a concrete concentration yet, um, but my research interest centered around um, Black students and retention at predominantly white institutions. So hopefully I'll be doing research in that area, and also um, just campus cultural identity and cultural biases on campuses and how that relates to retention for Black students. And I'm. I actually have been reading um, a little bit about retention of black students in campus identity for historically black women's colleges. I think a lot of time goes overlooked in academia. So that's also something I want to like look into. But those are kind of like my research interests at this time.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's great. That's really great. And you and Rashonda have a lot in common. So I'm excited <laughs> to have this conversation. So Rashonda, if you wanna introduce yourself.
3: Sure. It is so nice to meet you face-to-face. When I read over your resume, I was like, whoa, we have a lot in common. And so I'm excited about this conversation with you and I hope to learn just as much from you here. So I'm Rashonda Breeden and I've been so excited to be back on the podcast. I am currently a third year doctoral candidate here at the University of Georgia in the College Student Affairs Administration program. And that's within the Mary Frances Early College of Education. We say that because the college was recently named after a black woman, the first black woman who attended or integrated the College of Education, integrated the graduate school. It's named after her. And I, am on the job market. So I'm almost done here at the University of Georgia. I cannot believe it. It has been such a good time. My research and focus has been on so many things, but basically highlighting those underrepresented, overlooked populations within higher education. A friend of mine, Dr. T.J. Stewart, likes to say those who are in the margins of the margins. And so when you think about who higher education reaches out to and hugs, you know, outside of that hug, who's still missing. So for me, that's Black students. That's also students that identify as being fat. Um, That's also students from lower social classes or working class families. That's also staff members. That's also community folk. So like, who are the people that we're overlooking in higher education? So my work, touches on each of those areas and I'm just so delighted to be here to talk more about that and it's been such a transformative experience so I'm, I'm happy to be back.
1: And then you're from North Carolina also.
3: I am. I am from North Carolina. I went to NC State so many years ago. I came to <laughs> State in 2003, graduated in 2007, two degrees, Africana Studies and in Psychology If you're interested in that journey, listen to the previous episode. And I'm from Winston-Salem. First person in my family to go to college. First person to get a master's. First person that will get a PhD. Working class family. And a community that's been rooting me on the
1: whole time. So that's me. Yeah, excellent. So do you both know the same Africana Studies faculty? you know if any of those have remained since... Like 2007?
3: Probably, probably. Let's see, let's see. Dr. Brookins? Yes. 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 Y'all, Dr. Brookins sent me a message on LinkedIn after I defended my dissertation prospectus, and I just felt like I was seen. I was like, Dr. Mm-hmm. Brookins is acknowledging my work. It's amazing.
2: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Who else? i trying to remember back, because I finished my minor about a year ago. So I was doing my minor well before my um, bachelors. Let me think. I don't know, but I do, Natalie Billard Brown taught me two of my courses. Um, I know she's a new professor here cause she, well, two years ago when I first had her for black feminist thought, she was here in Augusta and then she transferred here full time. But that black woman, oh my goodness, I love her. I really do. Like that's kind of where I turned to more like Africana studies and like looking into like our community a little more. Um, she was the one who pushed me because, you know, she taught from a black queer feminist perspective. And that was something that I had never seen before. I was like, okay. And then like a year later, I saw it like incorporated more into like work and like my living and learning village because I was in Women of Welch. So, okay. you know. It went shifted from white feminism to like black queer feminism when Brie came. Um, yes, yeah. the a CD for like two or three years. Yeah, she was. Oh, it was so good. Um, Dr. Erin Banks. She wasn't NAfCon studies, but psychology and African American experience. That was that was the class. I think that kind of solidified everything I want to do now. I'm um, for sure.
3: Yes, Dr. Banks is everything. Dr. Banks wasn't a faculty member then in that, in Africana Studies, but I remember just interacting with her on so many occasions and it being great. Um, And then you mentioned Bree Hart in in your village, and Bree Hart went to UGA for her master's. And then thinking back to Africana Studies, I had Dr. Edwards, which is, she taught the Black psychology class. And I had... Dr. Powell, he taught Black feminist thought. So a lot of those folks have gone on to do other great things, but I'm glad that that energy is still there in the program. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into more of this, but I do have to say, too, is when I look listen back to the first podcast, Rashonda, you had talked about Africana studies being, like, for personal development and personal, like, health and well-being and solidifying your identity and how you became competent to who you were.
3: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Seems like that's the
1: same for Tia, too. Tia, tell me. an academic knowledge.
3: Yeah. Tia, tell me if this was your experience. But when I got here at State, I looked around to my left and my right, and I was like, where are all the Black folks? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... (laughs) Back then, honestly, Tia, we had way more than y'all have now, to be honest. we I think we had about 3,000. So it was a significant amount. Y'all don't have nearly as many now. But still, I was looking for them. And what I did was I picked an Africana Studies class every semester. And I knew every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or every Tuesday, Thursday, I would get a dose of support, of love. from the class, no matter the topic, and I would be able to go on a little bit further. And so, tell me, was that your experience too?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I actually vividly remember. Well, okay. So, when I got accepted into NC State, I hadn't visited campus at all. I think you said that in your first podcast too. Like, I didn't visit campus, so I didn't know what was going on um because it was between here and Central. Oh, eagle I'm an eagle, too. But so go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, it was between here and central. Um, and I was like, you know, I wanted, like, that big school feel. I knew that's what I wanted. And so when I got here um, during orientation during the summer, um, it wasn't it wasn't a black orientation. It wasn't the one hosted by MSA. It was just, like, the regular, like, colleges made, social sciences. I looked around. I said, oh, no. <laughs> it's <was> too late. <laughs> go down the road. It was, in fact, too late. But I remember just my first like actual day of class. I was like, "Wow, there's like really no one in here." Cause like political science, it's that first class, mind you, we're two hundred deep. Um, I think it might have been was it in Park shops? It might have been in Park shops. I don't know, but it was somewhere two hundred C auditorium. I counted five black people, and I'm like, "Oh, so this is like a fourth of my class for political right. science." I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So my first semester, I literally went to class and went home because I didn't have, like, those immersed, like, immersive experiences before I came to campus. Um, so it was very hard. But then, second semester, it was, I don't know if you know him, but do you know Tyreek? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. He pulled me. I was in the military. I, I was sitting down mind my business outside of MSA. He pulled me said, well, here's MSA. Have a seat. And then the rest is history. Um, I went to the culture center. I um, got really involved there, and I was in like i and doing all the things. Ooh, I was an and I ambassador. Dr. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, I had to do like all the things. So I had to make up for lost time in first semester. You know, I was actually looking lost, but yeah, definitely the same thing. And I think like now that I look back on everything. I feel like I had to come to NC State to realize how important my blackness was mm-hmm. because I came from an area where like we all kind of grew up together you know what I mean yeah. and a lot of times things can get lost in the sauce um, and like you kind of realize racism and microaggression and things are present mm-hmm. but it's definitely one of those things like well these are people I grew up with too so it's kind of like we've learned each other and like I was in this whole new world that's literally a city on its own. Cause NC State is a lot but yeah the black community was they embraced me i embraced them and after that i still had like it was still kind of like a struggle a little bit mm-hmm. but it was much more of a communal struggle if that makes sense because now yeah. like every day i'm making sure i'm in places where i at least see people who look like me so yeah i no. I totally
3: understand. It is a community. Even with the staff there, we're looking for y'all too. When I was working there, we were always like, well, where are the black students? How are y'all doing? And even you, I don't, I didn't know you before today, but guess what? I saw your graduation pictures. So I felt like I knew you. I, I saw them on Instagram because we're all of the same. We're all part of the NC state family, the black NC state family. And yeah, so I celebrated with you when you graduated and when you found out you were getting into the master's program. So we're a part of each other's, you know, collective family.
2: Yeah. I love that about us. That is one thing, like, every, like, this year, like, we're not having homecoming. That's so sad. It's my first homecoming as an alum. Yes. It, just, like, seeing, like, alums show up. Um, and even, like, alums who are still here who may have, like, gone and came back and gone again it's just it's it's really amazing it like makes it feel like home it makes me feel like home for sure yeah
3: we know the struggle and we're rooting for all of y'all we've been in those classes in those political science classes and park shops and the different buildings on campus where you're just like looking for your people trying to count the folks and you don't see them and then you see one and you're just like oh my gosh Let's talk. Let's hug. Let's be friends. So, yes, I totally understand.
1: So now you have a little sister and a big sister. Yes, <laughs> you may not share genetics, but you're uh, pretty much living we're cousins. We're cousins. We're cousins. We are. <laughs> yeah, mini me and big me. <laughs> so, yeah. So I do. We're going to kind of interrupt this conversation so that we can get deeper in it. So we're going to listen to the clip with Rashonda talking about her PhD. So I'm gonna start that. And I had so hard listening
3: to this last night. I was like, what is wrong with me?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, listening to it again, I was like, this was really special. Rashonda and I welcome you back to the second part of our conversation. Hating everyone in your group project, because you it's really about perspective. hmm Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially at this level, it's like you haven't failed yet. Mm-hmm. You know, you've only achieved, you know, you've only been exceptional. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to stop being exceptional. You're pouring into me right now,
3: Sarah, Sarah, because I'm really like, I know that I want to continue on to school and I Mm -hmm. know I want, I know I need to and want to start a doctoral program, but I am scared to death. What are you scared of? All the things we just talked about. (laughs) All the things we just talked about. And so i won't get emotional but i'm getting emotional y'all can't Mm. see me um but i really know that i need to do it i just am afraid so i have to be reminded Mm -hmm. that i haven't failed yet
1: no 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 and you're actually from my knowledge of you of working in student affairs working in the college of management you know of going of extending yourself to not even an area that you had experience. Mm-hmm. You, you extended yourself and being in a program where I think the people are like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know these people, I don't know this culture, you know, like the business culture. Oh yeah. And then now going back to Trio mm-hmm. it's you know, you're a perfect candidate. And I think like, for my knowledge, which I don't have my PhD, but I like to pretend I know everything Yes, is, <laughs> that for a phd program especially they're looking for your in like looking for individuals mm-hmm. and, <sighs> and so and i know all of this mm-hmm. you know so what's the first step you're going to take i'm not asking you to apply today but what's the first step that you feel seriously in her advising <laughs> skills her intrusive advising Cause we're, skills on me we're going to keep we're going to keep in touch with you rishonda <laughs> I'll be proud i have taking mm-hmm.
3: the um, miller's analogies test which mm-hmm. is not the gre because i had a bad experience with the gre and so i'm trying a different approach this time um, so i was taking that test and i i have a checklist or a spreadsheet actually on places mm-hmm. i could apply i'm just i've really been dragging my feet mm-hmm. and i had to be reminded today and talking about this imposter syndrome of why i'm dragging my feet because there's some place down inside me that tells me you can't do this you don't belong here i don't know how you've managed to get this far when the reality uh, is yeah i deserve to be here and there is no one else that is more deserving than me i have all the credentials that i need i just there's a lot of pieces to it so although we're here talking about this i really want people to know that this is something that you continue to have after the degree process, the graduate Mm -hmm. degree, even as a parent, maybe, or as a friend, or if you're planning a doctoral program Mm -hmm. (laughs) or a new job, um, you're constantly having to dismiss feelings of inadequacy, even when you know that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And I always think um, too, it's like, who are you to say you can't get in? That's not your job to say like, you're not on the admissions committee. Like so, why do you th- stop
3: thinking? <laughs> you need to stop thinking. You are. And you know the crazy thing is, I I think I would get in, but
1: you. Would. I think Which, Are you shame. are you applying a P- for a PhD in like nanoscience? No. Or, okay. No. No. Of course okay. not. I don't. What programs are you looking at? So, I am looking at some of the higher ed programs. Mm-hmm.
3: I am looking at a um, history program mm-hmm. because I love history. I'm also looking at. Um, a counseling program and a leadership program, Mm -hmm. which is at a historically black college that's local. Mm -hmm. So most of the programs though are gonna be here at State. So I'm not assuming that I won't get in. I'm just nervous about finishing. (laughs) Finishing the application. Finishing finishing the the program. Look, I'm
1: already at finishing the program and I haven't even applied. (laughs) You, I am shaking my head for those at home. And she's laughing, touching me. Like, Stop shaking your head. Don't shake your head. Well, because I know that it's
3: all in my brain and it's not yeah. reality.
1: But... So, what's your advice? Like, how do you, what do you think you should do to get out of your head? I've
3: given myself different benchmarks to hit. And i'm just going to hit those benchmarks and i'm going to continue to tell people what my goals are so that they can hold me accountable so now when sarah sees me at meetings or in practice she can say hey what are you doing about this Mm -hmm. you know have you applied what you know so i'm going to do that more i'm going to start telling people my intentions so they can hold me accountable sometimes i keep a lot of things to myself that way i don't have any accountability partner Mm -hmm. and the only person I usually let down is myself. But Mm -hmm. if I tell others and they hold me accountable that will help. Mm -hmm. Um, My partner, he has given me different incentives for taking baby (laughs) steps. So uh, to take the Miller's analogy test. He, he said, you have to take it. If you don't take it, you're not going to be able to buy this particular thing that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really wanted this nice African skirt. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you don't take this test, you're not going to be able to buy it. And in my head, I was like, so what? I'll just buy it, you know, in a month or two. He's like, no, you're not going to be able to buy it for the rest of the year. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah So yeah, yeah. he knows me well. He knows that I need accountability. So... That's what I'm going to do. But yeah.
1: Well, and I think, too, when you're talking, it's almost like going into logic mind. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like I'm logically going to apply knowing that my emotion mind isn't helping me out. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. To get, you know, turn off the feelings almost yes. and treat it like a work. Exactly, because your feelings will tell you any and everything. And sometimes I really
3: just have to put my feelings aside and I have to do it. And for me, of course, working with TRIO, I have to think about my students. I told some of my students that I was applying. And so they're really like asking me about it and encouraging me to do it. And when I meet with them, they're like, okay, well, what about you? Have you turned in <laughs> your applications? And so mm-hmm. that, that helps me too, to to mm-hmm. turn off those emotions because emotions lie.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just because it feels right or mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's right.
3: No, usually it's not right if it feels
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just mm-hmm. gotta do it honestly, mm-hmm. and um, I will. Because the other thing that comes to mind too is that people need you to get your PhD. So one of the reasons, why, I mean, what's kind of unique about a PhD program is that you create new knowledge, mm-hmm. that you bring something new to the you know area, whether it be history or student development or leadership. Mm-hmm. And so if you withhold that, mm-hmm. You know, is that that's a disservice to you, but it's also a disservice to the next generation Right, that you like you withheld, you know, being in a place that's going to support you to make that impact. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm
3: withholding knowledge. I like how you put that. I like you that. Are. I like that reframe in that I have to do it or someone will miss out on information.
1: That's a good way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Because thinking generationally, that impacted you, Mm -hmm. thinking about your generations. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for future generations, Mm -hmm. you know, they need to know, you know, what you've brought into the world that only you could bring into the world.
3: That's good. Yeah. Um, She's giving me a look. (laughs) I know but you know it it helps me to not think about it in terms of myself Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you know culturally we're taught not to think about ourselves you know but thinking about it in a grand scheme of humanity and people Mm -hmm. um helps it for me Mm
1: -hmm. it helps me yeah it's yeah and that's another whole topic how we aren't nice to ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, how we're nicer to, or even more respectful to other people than we are, like the stuff we would say to ourselves, we would never say to another human being. Even, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we're fine telling ourselves that, mm-hmm. but that's another whole, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, we're <laughs> working on it, both of us are working on it. Mm-hmm. So, let me... So Rashonda, you had a range of emotions from waving your arms around, to wiping your eyes, to clutching your chest. So can you talk about that?
3: First of all, I'm very dramatic. So that's what you saw, Tia. Don't judge me, it's just who I am, and-
1: I think it deserves that emotion.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so I had all of those emotions. I had the excitement in hearing it, Fear because I was holding back so much of myself those years ago, but also joy that Sarah really blessed me with her words that day. And I really carried those with me and they're still with me. And so it was joy that I allowed myself to lean into the fear because the last three years have been incredible. And so that's was that was the emotion that you saw, that both of you all saw. And in thinking that I was so scared to even apply to now being almost finished, it's amazing because a lot has happened. I mentioned in the clip, like, I know I'll get in, but I'm worried about finishing because my brain jumps 10, 20, 30 steps ahead. I think that has to do with my first gen identity. I just want to plan. I want to be in the control because... So, so so many times i'm not in control of what's happening around me i like to try to put everything in everything in place that i need and so i'm a planner in that way but when when i tell y'all after this call i went back and really put down every school i plan to apply to whether that be nc state i put north carolina AT. University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And I just started the application process because I even remembered Marsha Farr listening to the episode and then coming into my office and saying, you have to do this. How can I support you? And there were people who were listening who reached out to say, we're gonna do this. So I ended up applying and then sending out messages to my faculty at Georgia. I was asking them for recommendation letters and one of their responses was, well, if you're applying all of these places, why aren't you applying here? And I didn't type this out. But in my mind, I was like, I'm not moving there. I have a job. I love my job. I'm making good money, probably the, the highest salary anyone in my family has ever made. And I'm not, I wasn't prepared to leave North Carolina. But they said, you know, we'll definitely help you out and do your recommendations, but we want you to apply here. We want this school to be fourth on your list. And to make a long story short, I did not get into NC State and I was devastated. I, my plan for the plan for the plan had failed because I didn't get into NC State and it was because of my GRE score. And I was like, okay, well, I have other schools that I can pick from. One of the other schools that I got into called me, or actually I called them and I spoke to one of the faculty and they said, you should consider other options. And I was like, wow. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> and they asked me where my other options were and they were like, you should consider Georgia. And I said, okay, right. And then another one of my schools, they had my information, but every time I checked the portal, it it said I was missing something. It said I was missing something. So I kept calling. They were like, you're fine. You're fine. But it said I was missing something. So I never heard an update. Meanwhile, the University of Georgia sent me this whole packet about we're inviting you to interview weekend. We're going to pay your way for you to come here. When I go to interview weekend, people are like welcoming me with hugs. People are excited to see me. There's a community of scholars like, we heard you were coming. We can't wait to take this journey with you. And even laying out what the financial package might look like. I initially wanted to be in housing because everything was covered in housing, but housing wasn't available. And so I was like, oh, means I'm not supposed to come here. No housing. But one of the faculty, they were like, no, we have another position for you working with the faculty. This is what we want you to have. And so even though UGA was not on my list, I had universities here either say no or this isn't the one. And I had the University of Georgia saying, we welcome you with open arms. Here's your money. And so I really had to lean into my fears and make a decision. And when I tell you that listening to that clip just blessed me because on that clip you hear me talking about wanting to buy this African skirt and you know, how important ancestry is to me. And because I've been at UGA, I had a chance to go to Africa. Like, do you see the perspective shift there? Mm-hmm. In Raleigh, I was like, oh man, I really need to do this so that I can have this one small piece of the continent. And um, the fact that stepping out on faith, I went to the continent in December for the
2: year of their return.
3: And had I not come to UGA, I would never have had that experience. To be able to travel, to be able to learn about my ancestry in that way. And not just the Africa experience, but I've had a black faculty member as my advisor who has let me sit on book chapters and research teams and has just shown me the way in terms of faculty life and has really just brought me along in a way that's been special. I've also had a group of Black scholars who have just loved on me, poured into me, given me everything that I've needed here, have seen me, embraced me. Again, folks that are bringing me along and have, for the ones who have graduated, they want to write together and do research together with me. And we're we're working on things right now. One of the folks, he and I are working on a, a piece about fat Black women and um, activism versus resistance and how fat Black women don't always have the luxury of saying that we're activists, but how we exist in all the other ways just by living in our bodies and showing up in places where people don't think we should be. So I had opportunities to do that. And I've just had opportunities to teach classes and to learn so much about who I am. I thought I was going to be an administrator get my PhD, become an administrator some short, of some sort. But I mentioned that I'm on the faculty track because my program has encouraged me to embrace all of who I am. The first gen, low income, black, fat, whatever it is to embrace all of it. And I feel so blessed. And if I happen to return to North Carolina, I'm gonna show up so much freer than I was on that podcast episode. So then the level of growth is is where you see all the emotions there.
1: What stood out to you, Tia? Because you were bobbing your head and responding to, like, an emotion, not just listening. So, like, when I heard the quiz. Or what do you want to say to Rashonda too? I, oh, you can well, speak directly. Hey. <laughs> yeah, Go ahead, Tia. Yeah. Thank you because
2: I felt so similar because, you know, when I was applying to grad school, I, it was a mess. Sarah knows it was a mess. Everyone who kind of has helped me on my journey knows it wasn't a mess because like, you know, I, I felt very similar to you. I'm still scared. Like I had a conversation with Dr. Hope I'm in one of her classes about like, you know, I want to go get my PhD, but I am terrified. Because, you know, when I was kind I guess I can frame it in the way of when I applied to state, I took my GRE very late. I did not so well in my GRE. And, you know, when I applied to state, it was my top school and I was waitlisted. And to me, it was almost like a, I don't even know, just because. I was here already doing the work and I, you know, had, I felt like I had done well here and, you know, getting like uprooted on last semester because of like everything that happened. I really felt like, you know, my time here wasn't finished and I felt that. And, you know, to be waitlisted after, I already had so many conversations too about like, you know, NC State is very picky about letting alumni come back for a second degree. So that was in the back of my mind as I was taking the test, as I was doing the application. Um, I did it anyways. And you know, I got accepted to the University of Maryland way before NC State. And I sat on that Maryland where like, mm, I don't know. Eight months I was scared to like I was scared to leave North Carolina. Like even thinking about like a PhD, I'm like, you know, <laughs> NC State does have my program. <laughs> um, but it's also like Am I limiting myself? Like you said a little bit earlier, am my I limiting myself and everything to North Carolina? And it's just, uh, oof, I don't know. Because it was a lot, you said a lot, you said a lot that I resonated with. You said a lot that I felt in my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because, I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's very... We have a lot in common and I love that just because you know I see you and it's kinda like like I don't know. Like I see you and that reminds me of myself. Oh I can't oh now I'm about to cry. <laughs> I'm, gonna cry baby.
3: I'm gonna cry the whole time and I'm not gonna apologize. Um I
1: yeah. wish we were in person because we could hug. <laughs>
2: yes. 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 yeah I I in this moment I am terrified because I know this is something I want to do because like and also like another similar thing is like I'm a person student as well so like this is the first time I feel like anyone in my family and i have a younger sister too so it's this balance of yes I'm the first in my family but also like when it's that precedent because she has things she wants to do she wants to go into animation And now she wants to go into psychology and sociology and do all the things. And it's like, yes, you can. And, like, I don't know. And also because, you know, my mom passed away halfway through undergrad. So, like, these degrees, like, yes, they're mine, but they're also hers.
3: So They are hers. And they're your sisters. And they're everyone in Jacksonville, everyone in Chattanooga. They're theirs. And so you really have to hold on to that when you're afraid, to, because the fear, like I said, will tell you not to even consider applying to Maryland or not even consider applying out of state. But you should apply to all of it. If your program is here, apply there. See what type of package they'll put together for you. But apply everywhere. Don't be held back by... What people have told you were your limit or what you told yourself were your limit. And when it is tough to get outside of yourself, then you do it for your sister. Then you do it for mom. Then you do it for the person's name that you don't even know because that history is lost. Mm -hmm. But you still know that they were there because you're here. That's who you do it for. So. It's okay to be afraid it's okay to feel the feelings it's okay to cry but we still have to do it as black women because it's been done for us and I, I, I meet every single day whether on Twitter or on Instagram or just out here in these streets someone says that they aspire to be in a dot program be in a master's program or just show up as their full black self because I'm doing it. I'm like I'm not anybody special (laughs) (laughs) like my favorite Beyonce quote if my country A can do it anybody can do it (laughs) but literally that's how I feel like if if people if people want to know like how do you do it I just show up I just apply to all the things I just step out there and I do it one example of that is this fellowship that I want you to apply to. It's called the Southern Regional Education Board, SREB. And they are all about making sure that underrepresented groups who are interested in getting their doctoral degree apply and get funding for their doctoral degree. I didn't know about this when I was in your shoes, but I found out about it last year had missed the deadline, didn't think anything of it, but they extended the deadline due to COVID. And so something inside of me, somebody, some auntie, some grandma, somebody said a blah. And basically I had to put together a package of materials and they awarded me $20,000 to do research. And so right now my dissertation is funded off of a $20,000 fellowship. And so that's an example of how we have to just trust ourselves and believe that whatever our dreams are, they're possible. And whatever you want to be, you can truly be. Even when folks are out here dying in the streets, we still have the power to show up in these spaces and interrupt in all the ways that we interrupt and disrupt. And like Sarah said in the clip, If we don't do it, who's gonna do it?
1: Well, I have to say it's, and I'm gonna, I wanna swear, (laughs) because I'm gonna say it with conviction. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck is my indication of conviction. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying not to curse on here, Sarah, but you started, so. uh. (laughs) Yeah, well, everybody knows I cuss. (laughs) I (laughs) go. 15 and 17 year old daughters gave me a inappropriate language coloring book for my birthday so everybody knows i don't even hold
3: back at home the seasoning seasoning for your words sarah yes
1: (laughs) well i call it authenticity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i am coming from authentic not even just professional but literally personal is you are fucking special and so that's the piece of even going to funding your dissertation is it's that where dissertations come from a very deep personal place because you have to spend so much time and so much effort on it. And somebody said, we value your ideas and the work you're doing. So we're going to give you 20 grand. People don't do that. Don't do that because you're not special. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the other piece too is, being the first person to graduate from college, and then now going to be the first person to PhD, your generate your family will never ever be the same. You will not have the same health concerns, you know, especially with the impact of health issues on African American community in rural communities. Mm-hmm. Like your for generations are not going to experience that. Literally, you know, you are you. What we're finding out now, you are saving lives. There's going to be people who are healthy and successful just because what you're doing. So it's not like, oh, I'm just showing up to class. It's you are having this huge impact. I mean, like irreversible, literally. And that's with Tia is like, you're leading, you know, democratic politics for the state and national level. 23 year olds don't do that. So you obviously feel strong enough about that to to be selected for these leadership positions, but also there's a large competitive, super competitive community that you would not have those positions if you were not qualified and probably over. Mm-hmm. Correct, Thea?
2: Yeah, I would say so. It's, that piece is funny because I was actually talking to John today I was talking to you today, and I was like, "John is hard out here because I'm in this place where, like, my last year undergrad, I was sick of political science. I was tired of it all because I came because you know August 2016, and then 45 was in November, and all of undergrad, and a a very white institution with very white peers and. Mm-mm. i was done like literally i i remember there and there's only one professor who i think got it in my department i'm not going to say got it in my department just in my department that i had knowledge of mm-hmm. and i was talking to john earlier i was like you know i i want to kind of dissolve this part of myself like to pull acid myself because all i'm known for for the most part outside of like being involved in black things is being involved in political mm-hmm. and especially after everything that's been happening over the summer and yesterday with rihanna taylor and everything it's just like i don't i don't have it anymore like even now when i do like when like in my book work now like i'm the black caucus chair and that pocket to me is different because we don't have to censor ourselves as much as i had before Mm-hmm. which is a blessing especially now but it's kind of like I can't do it because how can I aspire to be in a system where they don't value my life if I didn't have these labels as titles, even with the labels and titles because mm-hmm. I can go to a conference or I could go down the street today to a bipartisan event and you never know and it's just like you know I feel that but also like I know I need to be represented I knew I need to be a representative in this space because last night, you know, I was at an event with Jessica Holmes and Yvonne Hawley. And you know, I knew this, but it hit me really hard when I said even, if they win their election, or when they win their election in a few in a few weeks, Mm -hmm. they'll be the first two black women in North Carolina to be in the state cabinet Mm -hmm. in 2020. So I was talking to him earlier about how just I I want to leave this space so bad Um, because again like I feel like I'm having to choose between my blackness and my politics at this point because the way we're treated as a whole by like the government and just everything going on so yeah I it's a lot it's a lot and I've been doing this work for heavily since undergrad but even like in um high school as part of youth council. i was just saying you just want to buy pizza for your school sure like and and then just the idea of this arena so many people especially my age or who are like just out of college still in college are doing these kind for of resume boosters and it's like you don't care about this so please sit down mm-hmm you know, yes, you are qualified to do this work, but sit down, because this is not the time and the place. So yeah, I'm grappling with that at this point. Whew, yeah.
3: We we all grapple with it, because mm-hmm. some we don't always want to show up with all of these identities all the time. It is very exhausting, especially for freedom fighters like you. <laughs> but when you think about all the Black women Historically, who they've been, they haven't been able to separate their Black womanness from their, from being a freedom fighter.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's who we are. So I feel the grapple, but what you need to do is remember to take care of yourself and take breaks. That's what they were not doing. I don't know if you follow the NAP ministry online, probably on Instagram, NAP, N-A-P ministry. mm mm-hmm but it's a Black woman talking about radical self-care and by just taking a nap and resting because she's mentioning that all of this, like overworking and doing the most is tied to capitalism, tied to oppression. And that that's what's happening. Folks are trying to take us out. But if you rigorously take care of yourself, love on yourself, renew yourself, then you can then show up in these spaces with all of the power and all of the knowledge and all of the life experiences that you, you have, and you can make some change. And you can do that in other ways. So right now you're out here doing a very grassroots effort. But when you think about the academy, that's another way that you can make change. And so, yes, I'm sitting here at this desk eight hours a day usually, but I'm writing about things I care about. Before we got on this call, I was writing about Black women doctoral students and social class and how these doc programs or these graduate programs don't care about social class and they don't want to talk about it, but it's very much a part of who we are. And so I need faculty to know that I don't have money to go to this conference. I need faculty to know that I don't want to show up in this certain attire because that's not true to who I am and it doesn't represent me. And I'm using my pen, my computer, Mm -hmm. to to resist in ways that I didn't think I would. I thought I would be on the streets, too, fighting the power. But my resistance looks different. And I can also care for myself in a radical way. I can love on myself in a radical way. And it hurts when people are still dying in the streets. But I pick what I can do, and I do it well. Mm-hmm. And I think John does the same thing. You pick what space you're in, you pick the people that you're fighting for, mm-hmm. and you go after it with everything that's in you. And at the end of the day, if you see that you've been a freedom fighter your whole life, because that's what it sounds like. In high school, I did this. In undergrad, I did this. And now I'm doing this. That's your purpose. So it's important that you stay
2: true to that and rest. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because I didn't really learn like rest. I think like stopping everything in March, I didn't learn rest. And like even now, like as I like, you know, go to class and we read the articles and do everything, I'm actually learning how to rest. Because I think for my in this program in particular, every professor, they're all like, You need self-care day, you need self-care day, just let me know. send in the email, I got you. And it's like thank you. And I I tweeted this I think the other day that I have never felt more supported in my scholarship and as a whole human than I am right now in this program and it's hard don't get me wrong mm-hmm. like because I'm la- I'm having to like learn a new language honestly mm-hmm. like reading like like articles and whatnot but I haven't felt as supported as a whole human you know what I mean like my professors. Are like reaching out like you know I know this is happening in the black community right now how can I support you and I never saw this and it's at the same institution hmm I've never seen this
3: different colleges different experiences College of Ed is very different than other colleges
2: hmm and I I'm learning how to rest because of the people around me now and I'm thankful for that because I was running rampant like Sarah knows. I was everywhere for like my last two years of undergrad. Like there was no rest or anything. So I'm glad I'm learning that now, for sure.
3: But you also have to think about when have you seen Black women rest? Mm-hmm. I've never seen it.
2: Mm-mm. Not very often, not at all.
3: So understand that when you're doing it right now, like Sarah was saying, you're changing the narrative for the future generation. You're changing the narrative for people when they see you like, oh yeah, she's amazing, but she rests. Mm -hmm. She
1: rests. Yeah, because you can show up and be who you are. Like you can show up and be your authentic.
3: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. I won't even lie to you, yesterday, Tia, after I heard about the the case, I went to the store, I got some dinner, and then I went to sleep. <laughs> no social media, <laughs> no mindless scrolling, no watching the news. Why? Because I took stock of myself and how I was feeling, and I was like, oh, no, I can't. If I'm going to have to show up tomorrow and and... and be my full stealth. I don't need to go down this this rabbit hole. I already knew what was gonna happen before I heard the news. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna get sucked into this because I already know that people don't want me to live. That's not new. What is new is how I can
1: handle this situation. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yeah, the thing that comes to mind too is like your soul is fatigued. Mm. The body, a mind, it's the soul. Mm-hmm with that fatigue what i hear too from you Rashonda, is that you found a way to resist that enriches you like that makes you more powerful and so actually you're doing you are better in this like doing your research phd program with all that's going on and i use all because it's like so complicated and layered everything who were five years ago when we were under a different administration.
3: Yeah. And, and the work that I'm doing is still hard to you. Like you were saying, it's still hard, but because I have faculty being like, do you need to take a day? Or because I have friends dropping off or ordering me DoorDash or food so that I can eat, or because I have a partner who's like, whatever you need, I'll do it i'm allowing myself to take that in so that i can do my work and so that's helping me outside is burning i won't lie outside is a dumpster fire i'm not going but in here there's peace in here i know my purpose in here i can still do my work and it's it's beautiful so sometimes
1: you just have to let go of the fear so you can step into like the what if do you ask for help tm do you have accountability people that you are authentic and vulnerable
2: with. I do. It took me a while to get there, um, but I do. And I'm really glad that it's an array of people, right? So it's like some people I still know in undergrad, it's people who, like I graduated with, who are now like, you know, at different programs. So like Jasmine, like Sarah, you know Jasmine. Yes. Been um, then friends since freshman year Simon hall uh, um she's my she's like one of my primary accountability partners just because you know she's at georgia state so even though we're far away we're still going to say like girl did you see this girl i did this like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a great time and like even now like i it's interesting because i'm starting to form that relationship more with like professional staff and faculty. Who like now that I've transitioned into a graduate student and like, you know, a professional, pre professional, it's kinda like they're there for me, but on a different level. And to where like you're here now. So I got this. And I think that's been so helpful. And I'm I'm really glad I have it coming from all different aspects of myself. You know what I mean? to so like my undergraduate self, who's like still kind of there wants to help the kids and even like working some of the offices where I see, you know, people who are my friends, but who are also now, you know, my students. And mm-hmm. then just like alum who are in higher ed, who I don't say graduate 2013, they out here calling me, are you okay? And then people who've gone to other institutions doing similar programs, even completely different programs but we're all in this first semester of grad school, in a pandemic, when Black people are being attacked. And I yes, help is needed, but I'm also getting it in a way that I did not beforehand, which I'm really grateful for.
1: Yeah, I was wondering too, because this is related with how you resist, is your professional, well, scholarly interests. So if, because both of you have Something very in common in your research interests with regard to higher education and marginalized populations. So, do you want to? So, Rashonda just barely defended or defended her proposal. So, you want to share the details of that?
3: Yes, I can. <laughs> y'all, I told y'all I did not want to come back to UGA, and. There's a lot of reasons that I didn't want to come back, but I couldn't put it into words. It, it was something in my spirit that was resisting coming back to UGA. And for those who aren't familiar with UGA, UGA is a is a college town. Athens, Georgia is majority of the college. And there is a small population of people who live in the town. And every time I'm here, I've always felt like black people were not getting what they needed. It's something innate in me that said black people here, there's a history here that you need to unpack. And so when I got here in 2018, one of the things I did, I took a black driving tour of the area. And I found out so much about the connection with enslaved folks who were enslaved by the university and folks who lived in the town. And from doing that in 2018, I started to, to think about what are the experiences of Black communities in proximity to historically white institutions? What's the history there? So beyond enslavement, there have been instances where Black folks have been researched by white institutions. There's been instances where Black people were not even allowed to come on campuses or be students. There's been instances where historically white institutions have removed Black communities from where they live so they can erect residence halls and other buildings. And so for me, what I just started to see was this web of distrust that was being built between black communities that live in college towns, that live in proximity to historically white institutions. And I started to do that research here at in Athens. And so then that's how I came up with my research interest: Like what what's really happening here and how has what has happened affect the now? How has what has happened impacted uh, job outcomes in this community? How has what has happened impacted the health of the community here? How has what's happened impacted the educational outcomes in the community here? And so that's the research that I'm doing. I have two UGA students who are black on my research team and we're doing participatory action research. So they are helping me, you know, come up with questions to ask. They are helping me figure out who to interview and we're doing it as collaborative work. And so it's not just about me as the researcher, because I'm not from here. It's about them actually explaining, this is what the community is like. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And they're helping me with the project. We're interviewing Black students at UGA who are from Athens. We're interviewing Black community leaders here who are from Athens. And we're interviewing Black families in family-style focus groups. And when I tell you that already some amazing history, secrets, things are just unfolding, things that I felt in my spirit from day one, Tia, what I thought to be true was true. There are literal, there's a building on campus where they found literal bodies And they tried to say, oh, these are the bodies of some white folks that died years ago. Long story short, they are the bodies of enslaved folks, And so you got a community here that's like, something's happening. We want to talk about it. And they're sharing their stories with me in a transformative way. And. Not only are we just taking that in as a research team, but we're also coming up with action plans. So I know the Freedom Fighter and you will appreciate this, but we're like, OK, now that we know what we know, what do we do next? And it's so exciting because I don't think I ever have thought about research in terms of action, but that's who I am. I'm not just going to have y'all talk about your stories just to be talking about them just for kicks and giggles we're gonna talk about next steps. And so if I happen to stay here after the job search, I will continue doing the research with the communities that I'm working with. I will continue to work on the action plan, but I also have the two student researchers who are working with me who plan to do this work, whether I'm here or not. (laughs) And then if I happen to go somewhere else, there are so many other towns that are similar to Athens, where the black community just feels like they've been shut out from conversations around access, around health, around educational outcomes, and they want to have a voice in the conversation. And so wherever I land, I want to continue doing this work because there's no reason why I should live across the street from an institution and feel like I don't belong there or don't have access to that space, especially when my folks literally built the institution and so that's what my work is all about and so i encourage you to think about all of the assignments and things that you have in grad school and ways that you can turn those assignments into actual research that you want to continue
2: to work on definitely definitely because like i it's really interesting because i I know I want to research, but I don't know what I want to research, if that makes sense at all. Mm -hmm. And I want to know because since I've been like, I'm looking at just from like an NC State perspective, since I've been here, I've noticed like people have told me, yeah, black people, we're almost non-existent on this campus and it goes down every year. And that can be seen in anything you find that the university has available. And I just wonder to like, why? Like, why are Black people not staying? Not necessarily here, but like, I feel like it's an issue at all these predominantly white institutions, especially in the South. So that's kind of where I want my lane to kind of be. And I went to the South in particular because I remember last fall, I went with TRIO. We visited UVA. And as soon as I got on that campus, it's like the ancestors were telling me to get back on the bus. That's it. it, Yes, that, that, that. And I was like, like I was walking around campus and I was like, it feels so cold and stark and everything. So I went to the Rotunda, which is, if y'all know, that's at UVA. And it's like, you can see Monticello from UVA, which is Thomas, Thomas Jefferson founded the institution. So I'm sitting in Rotunda, you know, I'm looking, 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 and mind you, it's like a tourist attraction. And they were like, oh, it was built by enslaved people. When I said, interesting, let me go up and down the floors. And I'll never forget. I was on the bus back, and I was telling them. I was like, y'all, I don't think y'all know this, but they have a walking slave tour on their campus. So an institution of higher education, where Black students are at, where the ancestors in my spirit, when I step on campus and please go back, you have all of this. And I want to know how all, like, because this impacts Black students who go there. And UGA, listen, that research lab they have for my particular interest, amazing. But my spirit says you can't go there. I'm not going to count it out, but I, I truly do believe your body feels things before your mind, psyche, everything does. And that's kind of why I want to go into the lane I want to go into. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to pinpoint. I don't really have it nailed down yet. Um, but I know that's it because that one day UVA, mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, and that community, oh, I, I'm going for days about that trip. I really could. It was a lot. <laughs> it was so much. And like Charlottesville itself. I did not see an ounce of blackness in my two days. I was like, okay. But yeah, I definitely, I I feel that. I feel that.
3: Right? So it's something in your body that you know to be true. And then when you start to peel back the layers and you're like, I was right. Like the ancestors told me, that's on another level. But I would say you do know what you want to research. You just have to pull it out of you. And it doesn't have to be one thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm passionate about a lot of different things. Like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm passionate about black students, but I'm also passionate about black staff members. I'm also passionate about fat folks. I'm I'm passionate about queer folks. I'm passionate about a lot of different buckets. And so I keep a journal. Anytime an idea comes up for me that I want to explore some more, I just have questions. Like you said, I jot it down. And then I'll go back and look at like what are the themes and patterns here? What am I trying to explore? And that's how I come up with my research topics. That's
2: it, that's it, that's it. that was my that was my thing. I'm like, I'm like, I'm interested in a lot of things. That's just how I am. Um, which is like the great thing about my program right now is that higher ed is so interdisciplinary. So in all my classes, like every idea I have is going to be a paper here or there um um, but I was so worried about like having so many different
1: interests
2: because that's a lot it's a lot especially if like you know you're trying to do research on a lot of different things I feel like it would be a lot um and sometimes they connect to each other and sometimes they don't Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that that just affirmed me you know, being able to have all these buckets because that was something I was worried about. I was like, oh, I can do it down to one thing or maybe two things that possibly connect to each other. How am I gonna do that? Um, so yeah.
3: Yeah, put it all out there. And even now, like go ahead and submit certain things to conferences like ACPA and NASPA. I think they have like a October 2nd deadline or something like that. Go ahead and just float assignments and papers and submit them to conferences. And when you get to conferences, See how your body feels about talking about the topic. If you're still really motivated by it, continue with it. If folks have a ton of questions, continue with it. If it's a whole energy overhaul and you have to like work yourself up to do it, that ain't the topic. But start to share, even on campus and like different roundtable conversations. And, and you'll, you'll know when it's right. You'll know when you've actually hit something because your body, like you said, your body will tell you.
1: I'm gonna say something, and you can tell me to shut up. It's out of my lane, but <laughs> I'm gonna say because when you were talking, Rashonda, about having like, like the opinion or the idea that there was trauma going on at UGA, you know, it was like the generational trauma, like there was something, there was you know something not right that hit your core, mm-hmm. and then you, <clears throat> you know, it's like no, now I've done research, which is valued by say higher ed and kind of different classes of people so but like as a person that doesn't come from the same social class as like say higher education you know where it's all phds and the system hasn't changed in over like 500 years like higher ed is just the same as it was 500 years Mm -hmm. also bringing in being a female of color the impact of having an opinion versus research And so if you would just stuck with the opinion, how do you think that would have been? Like, how do you think people would have responded?
3: That's a great question. And I come from the belief that Black folks particularly, like we always know, whatever we know to be true is true. And so I knew what was right. My grandmama knows, my great grandmama knew, they all knew. But now, because I have quote-unquote proof, now people want to believe me. I think that's BS, but I'm going to use that for my benefit. Let me tell you how. I'm going to use that for my benefit by bringing along those two Black women researchers on my team so they can see what research is like, so then they can continue on and do research. I'm going to bring the community along with me. So then they can see all of the possibilities around my research and they could see how their ideas are gonna be raised up. And I'm gonna honor their voices. I'm gonna make it work by putting my research in front of the, the faces of people who don't believe it. Stakeholders, presidents, vice presidents. and So I'm never gonna g- negate what my community already knew to be true. Like if I told a black person what I'm studying, They're gonna be like Tia. Oh, yeah, that's true because I felt it. (laughs) So I'm never gonna negate that, but I'm gonna use this tangible example that I've spent years studying to then retweet Tia, or retweet my grandma, or retweet what's said in this community so then that their voices are elevated. And I'm gonna use whatever power, privilege, that I have to then continue to pour back in the communities with the work that I do. And so I'm going to play their game, but reap my benefit or reap the community's benefit rather.
1: Because how did the community respond to you wanting to study? I mean, that's like being seen for the first time, probably, and being asked for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, at first
3: I thought they were going to look at me like, oh, you're an outsider. You're one of those people, those UGA people. And so I was really nervous about that. But what's happening is they're like, no, you're one of us. And you're different. Something about you, they look at me and they're like, okay, you got these locks. You're out here looking different, wearing different clothes. You're not like the people down the road at the university. You're one of us. And so I think my posture and showing up with them is different and I'm letting them lead most of the conversations and I'm paying them for their labor. So thanks to this grant that I received, I'm not just like, tell me your story and then running away. I'm like, tell me your story. Here's payment for your labor and help me know who else I should talk to. So they feel invested in the
1: process and that's the difference. That is the difference. So we've been talking for an hour and a half, and what I really want to know, Tia, is that from this conversation and having listened to Rashonda's podcast of seeing Rashonda two thousand seventeen and then Rashonda twenty twenty, how are you going to like apply what you've learned today? That's a lot
2: there. Um, um, I think for sure one thing is just, you know, to believe in myself because, you know, I, just in myself, I don't know how to elaborate. It's just a lot going on in my feelings, but I think it's just because, you know, our stories are so similar and where I am now, you were in 2017 mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. It's just a lot. And the idea that, you know, we come from the same place in like NC State and we were we just have a lot of things in common. I'm gonna take that with me for sure, And just believing in myself and the motivation and words you've given me this whole time is something I will I will take. And also like from the academic research side, you know, I've never done research before, never conducted it. The, Never. Only thing I may be done is written a proposal, but you know, just I think what stuck with me is just what you just said is that Black people know, and I know things in my spirit, and now it's just like you don't know, put it on paper, and I know that I have support and people who I've never met before, who I just met today, that will be in my corner, and I think that is important as well. And I don't know, I'm just taking everything. I really honestly don't know how to formulate words, but just know (laughs) I'm taking everything.
3: Listen, no, I feel in my spirit that you are taking so much for this conversation and I'm taking a lot from you too. I'm reminded of all of the things that my work can do for people. I'm reminded that people do and are watching what's happening with me, and that I should share more because I never know who is going to feel motivated by it. I'm also hoping, I'm going to put this on wax, I'm hoping that we can continue to work together, talk to each other. I can maybe pull you in on a conference or paper or both.
2: Definitely.
3: That way you don't feel like, you know, can I do this? And once I start introducing you to some folks, you're going to be like, Oh, if they could do this, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely can.
1: So I hope that we stay in touch. I do. Um, like, what have you, Rashana, what have you learned from Tia today? Or even from what you saw on her resume and all of that stuff?
3: Yes. One, just from looking at your, your resume, I saw that you were a freedom fighter. And so that's why I've been calling you that today. And I really want you to. Go out and research Black women who were doing the work that you were doing years ago because you embody that same work ethic, but you're going to also rest. I want you to just be clear about what your purpose is and study your purpose for you, not for school, but for you. Also, in just reading about you and seeing your pictures on Instagram, I'm just reminded that Whatever you decide to put your mind to, it can be done. And you have a whole community around you. You mentioned Tyreek, the person that introduced you to the Cultural Center in MSA. You mentioned John, um, all of these folks that I'm also connected to. You mentioned Jasmine. I'm also connected to Jasmine. The, all these same folks that you're connected to, that I'm connected to, that means that we are connected to each other. And so that means that you're never alone. You have your people and you have everything that you need. I also learned from you that it's okay to make a decision to stay home or to stay at a place if it feels good for you. And it can be as good as you want it to be. So don't apologize for staying in a place that you felt like you should stay in. I'm definitely interested in coming back to NC State, but sometimes I'm like, do I need to go back? Do I need to venture off? But it's okay with saying, you know what? I felt really good about staying at home, and that's the decision that I made, and here we are. So I say, stand in your truth, sis, because you blessed me today. <laughs> so I'm glad we had this conversation.
1: I am too. So in three years, Tia, you're going to come back on the podcast, and I'm going to have a young trio student. And to join the conversation, just like you did with Shonda. And you're going to talk about your PhD work and your pass the torch.
2: All right. Sounds like a plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
3: it's, you're going to do it here because my advisor is actually an NC State grad. He graduated from the program that you're in at the PhD level. Mm-hmm. And so now you have this lineage of folks, all NC State folks, we're all pulling, we're lifting as we climb. And so now it's your responsibility to do it for the next person.
1: Mm -hmm. No, and I believe like you'll never be the same after this conversation.
2: Oh, yeah. I feel
1: like there's been a shift for you.
2: Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure.
1: Like I feel like even
2: today, because like, the whole time we are talking I was thinking about because I haven't re- responded to John's text yet I'm going to do it in a minute but I haven't responded to the text yet and I was laying this out on the table and now like my whole energy has shifted in the best way possible and you know for about the past couple of weeks this is only my seventh week out here in grad school mm-hmm. and, and imposter syndrome was real like BJ, like I had to go to BGS so I was like y'all listen I, and they were like no no, you're where you need to be. And I've been feeling that lately. And so like, yeah, my whole energy has just been shifted in the best way possible.
3: And one of the things I didn't get to say, but I'll say now, is that when I first got here, um, I was in a in a workshop and a black woman said to me, You're not an imposter. If anybody's an imposter, they are. You've worked ten times over to be here. You've You've pushed past all of the barriers. You've overcome situations from high school, middle school. You first gen, low income. You literally, like Sarah was saying earlier, are overqualified to be here. And if anybody is the imposter, it's certainly not you. And when she said that to me, I was like, oh, you done changed the game. So now, like, that's the energy that I want you to have. I want you to hold your head up high everywhere you go. I want you to, when you apply to stuff, I want you to be like, yeah, I applied, here you go. When you write papers, I want you to be happy to turn it in. When you just show up, you want the room, the energy in the room to change now that you're here, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, that's the energy and posture that we have with us because of our families, before because of our communities, because of our lineage, because of trio, because of you got all the people with you because of John, you got your community with you. And that needs to show up with everything you do.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. We not the mm-hmm. imposter. We
1: not. Mm-mm. <laughs> you're the one who's going to call bullshit when you see mm-hmm. bullshit.
3: <laughs> oh, and you know what I mean, Tia, like in some of your classes and you're like, mm-hmm. A quick start, I right, guess. Mm-hmm. Go back to my business. Mm-hmm. Just think inside, like imposter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you just have a card to raise. <laughs> just <laughs> check. <laughs> just right.
0: TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally-funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today! Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.